0: Hi Ruben. Hi Teddy. So, ages and ages ago, if you were a serial killer, how would you stop your prey?
1: Um, binoculars.
0: <laughs> it's very high effort, right? You have to go and stand in a dark alley with your binoculars And then you have to follow them around And then you have to use good judgement and figure out if you can take them down even And then after that, you have to sneak around and make sure that you didn't get caught with the body
1: mm-hmm.
0: But you know, now everything is online You shop online, you watch shows online, you hang out with your friends online
1: True, yeah, got an app for everything
0: And now, as a serial killer, you can find your victims online
1: You find your victims like on Facebook
0: (laughs) Yeah, or maybe Twitter And then you can kill them in your teeny tiny shoebox apartment Because we all know that rent is very expensive It's true Hi, I'm Teddy.
1: And I'm Ruben.
0: And welcome to A Brief Case. This week is another listener-suggested case. Many thanks to Melody, also known on Instagram as NyanXInfinity. And today, we're covering the case of the Twitter killer, Takahiro Shiraishi. So... What kind of person becomes a serial killer? I hate that they always say, well, a lot of serial killers don't look like serial killers. That's how they get away with it for so long. Well, that's Takahiro Shiraishi. Takahiro was born on 9th October 1990. That would make him 32 this year From what I could find He grew up in the Tokyo suburbs And he was known as A quiet child But he wasn't antisocial Neighbors said That he could get on With anyone
1: Dude, Aren't all Japanese kids Like a quiet child like, <laughs> No especially? There are no. social
0: <laughs> Japanese kids <laughs> How many how many Japanese kids Do you
1: know? I mean he's about my age I know quite, quite a few
0: <laughs> And from what I could find He wasn't the best student He wasn't getting straight A's or anything like that but he was attentive which I think is important to a lot of teachers and according to his former classmates he quote-unquote didn't especially stand out but wasn't a gloomy character either. So he did sports, he did baseball and all in all he seemed to have a pretty regular school life. So this isn't someone you expect to become a serial killer this is someone you expect to become a... accountant or a banker and have a nice normal happy successful life right yeah yeah but there were a couple of signs okay and these signs were pretty big you just had to like look a bit closer so he liked to play a choking game and if you're like me you're like what's a choking game and apparently a choking game is a game where you and your friends choke each other out for fun
1: Oh, what? <laughs> How is that
0: fun? <laughs> apparently, it was fun. And apparently, Takahiro liked the choking game so much that once, he played the choking game until he passed out. At home, he had a little bit of a... Uh, slightly different life but it was relatively normal so he was closest with his dad who is I think a car park designer and the thing is he wasn't that close with his mom and his sister because when he was younger his mom and his sister they moved out because his sister was attending a school a girls school further away in central Tokyo mm. so he ends up graduating from high school in 2009. But he doesn't go to university. Instead, he gets a full-time job at a supermarket. So all is more or less normal for the next two years. But then, Takahiro, he just suddenly decides that the supermarket life is not for him. So instead, he starts working in a slightly more dubious profession. He starts working as a recruiter. And you're like, oh, HR recruitment is not dubious at all. It's a perfectly good career, right? Yeah,
1: true. I know people who do that now. Yeah, They're it's a good old. career.
0: But no, he wasn't recruiting accountants or software programmers or even C-suite professionals. No, the thing is that Takahiro was recruiting young women, young yeah. girls, to work as prostitutes okay. in sex parlors in the brothels of Tokyo's red light district. And we don't know exactly how he did it or what his like MO was, but we do know that there was some shady business going on there because in February 2001, Takahiro ends up getting arrested. And the thing is that he was recruiting a young woman to quote-unquote work in a sex shop, mm. but he knew that she wouldn't be. Working in a sex shop Like maybe she thought She was working as a cashier Or receptionist Or something like that Did but she
1: really I mean if someone says You're gonna work in a sex shop Is that really what You first think
0: No It's <laughs> like It's like If somebody came up to me And was like Hey Teddy Do you wanna work as A cashier in a sex shop mm. But that person knew That you would end up Working as A, a prostitute It's very guess, different yeah. You know Perhaps. No, there's this joke that I read on Reddit. Okay, I don't know what I'll include. This, we'll see. What's the difference between um a strip club bartender and a stripper?
1: Um I'm not sure.
0: Two weeks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So he actually gets arrested by the police. Maybe like a lot of women were very upset because they thought they would be walking in like kind of shady but like not prostitution, mm. you know? I guess, yeah. Yeah. And in fact a lot of people knew what he was doing was not right and he wasn't the most subtle about it. So people actually tweeted about it. They tweeted there is a creepy scout in in the red light district. Avoid him. Watch out for this scout. So we know that his reputation then was horrible. Now you well, I would not date someone who was who was a red light district brothel recruiter mm-hmm. yeah but he somehow managed to date and actually like find girlfriends
1: I guess you don't have to tell people what you're doing
0: <laughs> yeah it's true but it's a bit shady <laughs> I guess you can always say recruitment I work yes, in recruitment HR yeah yeah <laughs> So, in fact, one of his girlfriends, after all this went down, actually came up to say that while she was dating him, he was very gentle. He was a very gentle guy, gentle character. He never seemed, you know, angry with women the way that a lot of other serial killers are. Mm. And so really, apart from his very bad career choice, he seems reasonably normal. Now, around 2017, so that's actually not long ago, that's like five years ago, he seems to have some sort of personal quarter life crisis and at the time he would have been around 27 so he goes to his dad and he says hey dad i don't know why i'm alive and this is a very alarming thing for any parent to hear Mm, yeah and a little after that he lies to his his dad he lies he says that daddy i have met the love of my life and i need my own space so his dad ends up as a guarantor for an apartment and it was nineteen thousand yen a month. So that's about two hundred and twenty seven oh dollars a month for his studio e lofty apartment. 227. And you know
1: dollars. That's in 2017. You can't get yeah. anything in Singapore for <laughs> for You can get a, <laughs> get a... locker maybe. You, you know, can get a bit different. spot,
0: like a <laughs> bit spot in a shed
1: oh, no, apartment. You know what you can get? You can get a, um, a parking spot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can get... It's true. Oh my god, yes. the season parking at my office yes, is... is, is that sounds about right. You know what's really a crime, guys? Rental prices in yeah. Singapore. So on August 22nd, 2017, he moves out into a one- bedroom. Well, it's not really a one-bedroom apartment. It's more like a studio with Mm. a loft. Mm. Yes. And the apartment was in an area called Zama in the southwestern suburb of Tokyo. And we don't know if this is something that he planned for a little while, but he seemed to have just kicked off something by moving out. The first thing that he does is to set up multiple Twitter accounts. And In these Twitter accounts, he advertises himself as a professional hangman. So that's very dark already. And after that, with this professional hangman Twitter account, he starts reaching out to all the girls, all the vulnerable young women who say that they have suicidal tendencies on Twitter. You know, they tweet like, I want to die and things like that. Mm. And so what he would do is that he would slide into their DMs. And I didn't know that Twitter had DMs. I don't use Twitter. And he would offer two things. Both of which were very creepy. He would be like, Hey, why don't you come over and kill yourself so I can watch you commit suicide? So that's a little bit sick. And Mm, the second thing that he would offer would be like, Hey, come over and I will help you commit suicide. Okay. Yeah. So he would either assist or watch them kill themselves. And so that was one of his Twitter accounts. And he acted like he was a suicide guru, like a suicide coach. But that wasn't enough. He had to have multiple streams of victims. So in another Twitter account, he acted like he wanted to commit suicide and that he was a sad and lonely man. And so he would reach out to different people and try to form suicide packs with them. Okay. Yeah, but of course, he had no intention of killing himself. No, 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 no. He even used the hashtag, okay? Hashtag suicide recruitment.
1: Okay. And this is not a hashtag that's banned by Twitter. Ah, uh, I... are they s- like Control these things.
0: (laughs) I mean, right? No, I I assume they should have after this case, but I haven't checked. I will check after. Oh, dear. Okay, now once he got his victim to agree to the suicide pact or agree to having him assist them commit suicide, he would arrange to meet them. And they would meet at a train station and then walk to his very small one-bedroom apartment. And actually, looking at blueprints of the apartment it wasn't like the apartment had one bedroom. No, 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 no. It was a big studio with like a little loft area for the bed and it didn't have a full kitchen. It had like the smallest kitchenette and I think it was 13 point something square meters, which is I think around 130, 140 square feet. So it's very small. All right. It's probably the size of a The bedroom where you are listening to this right now. Unless you live in a very big house and uh, have a very big bedroom. (laughs) 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 Alright, so I I digress. Once they were in the apartment, he would give them drinks, drugs, sleeping pills, tranquilizers. He wanted them to be passed out or subdued. And then he would rape them. And after he was done, he would strangle them to death. And he would take the body to his bathroom and butcher body, he would throw out the flesh, he would throw out the internal organs in the trash. But the thing is that human bones, human bones are so recognizable. So he ended up keeping the bones And the skulls In boxes in his apartment Alright But not all victims Followed this MO His very first victim Was a 21 year old woman And he said that The reason he killed her Was because She loaned him money And he borrowed money From her And she wanted it back And instead of Giving it back He was like Hmm If I kill her I don't have to give it back
1: I see Okay
0: Does it work like that?
1: Uh, I I guess Uh, Not really But sure there are easier ways, I think.
0: <laughs> and according to him, his other victims were because he didn't want he wanted to rape them, but he didn't want them to report the rapes. Hmm. And the first time he killed someone, it took him three days to get rid of the body, three days to butcher the body. And after that he said, You know what? I I take just one day to butcher a body. So his first kill was in August. He killed four more in September. Four more in October.
1: So, is this all 2017?
0: Yes. And it was eight women and one man aged 15 to 26.
1: These are all suicidal people.
0: Except for the very first one. Yeah. So, you heard that 15. So, it was like high school girls, it was like secondary school kids. Mm. Yeah. Now these one isolated people. I mean sure some of them were very sad. Like they were they were depressed, they were emotionally distraught. But these one isolated people, all right? One of the victim's brothers actually started looking for his sister. So he hacked into his sister's Twitter account and saw the messages. And so he called the police and they set up a trap. So they got a woman to call, set up a fake suicide appointment. And then the police showed up at the apartment. First, the house had three cooler boxes and five storage boxes. And in total they found nine skulls and two hundred and forty bones.
1: he killed eight people, right?
0: He killed nine people. He oh, killed okay. eight women and one man. Oh, yes. Okay, yes. Yeah, so I'm um, like, what was he going to do? Was he going to keep killing people until his house was like a hoarder house <laughs> full of
1: yeah, boxes weird, of
0: bones? It's yeah, the
1: stupidest thing also, right? Like, in your house. Yeah, exactly, like, right? And, like it's the most obvious evidence that...
0: You, you should have gotten rid of the bones, bro. Yeah, so when they interviewed the neighbours, they were like, yes, yes, we have smelled rotting flesh from the house.
1: Man, this guy is damn stupid.
0: Right? And with that, Takahiro Shiraishi, the Tokyo Twitter killer, was arrested. But now, well, if you've ever listened to a case or watched a documentary where something like this happened, which, surprisingly, it does. Like, enough. Okay. You know what's coming. His lawyers tried to say that because they were going to commit suicide already, they essentially consented, quote-unquote consented to the killing. But that's Mm. a bit fucked up, alright? And they also tried to go with the fact that he, he himself was mentally unstable. They went for diminished capacity, which basically meant that he wasn't in the right mind when he was killing them. And all this didn't really fly because, I mean, the rape, the evidence, him admitting to killing them for sexual and financial reasons. So finally, on 15th December 2020, just two years ago, he was found guilty of the murders and sentenced to death. And today, he's waiting in prison for his son to die in the Tokyo detention house. Alright now Something really interesting So the listener That suggested this case right She sent an article That was Japanese serial killer Who chopped up Nine bodies Wants to get married While on death row Okay And now the thing is That some people Spend years on death row And Takahiro He wants to find A wife Someone to Support him And bring him things Which I don't get You know Like Then what's he bringing To the marriage hmm. So, PSA, if you're looking for love, don't marry this guy. Like, maybe go on Tinder or Coffee Meets Bagel or Hinge instead, you know?
1: Yeah, it's true.
0: Thanks for being on the show, Ruben.
1: (laughs) Thanks, Daddy.
0: (laughs) right, and thank you all for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do share it with your friends and leave us a review on spotify apple wherever you listen to your podcast give us five stars all right and if you have any cases that you'd like me to cover drop me a dm on instagram at a briefcase podcast and as always find us online at a briefcase com, and do join us next week for
1: another briefcase
0: Dip into Raising Cane's when you crave something hot and fresh and oh so delicious. Dip in for cook-to-order chicken fingers, crispy crinkle-cut fries, and garlicky buttered Texas toast. Our secret cane sauce makes every dip a delight. Raising Cane's chicken fingers, one love. (laughs)